Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. Almost positive is meant for an adult audience. Almost positive may contain sexually oriented content. Politically oriented content. And unethically oriented content. Listener discretion advised. Now, here's Almost Positive, with Van Rollington, and, Sir, Rollington. Such a man! Oh, shit. Such a man! <laughs> He's a real, a real man's man. Wait, that's a wrestling song? Yes, by, uh, Stephen Regal. Okay, that's good. I think this is the first, you know, they've been telling us we need to get perspective. They told us we need a female guest to come and tell us how female things are. So today we have our first male guest, our first man. Our first actual <laughs> yeah. manly man. He counts yeah. as like two men. I, yeah. We never had two men on at the same time before. No, no, we haven't been. Uh, wow. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we haven't been ravaged by the intellectual savagery of two men. Too strong. Thanks, daddy. Strong, affordable. <laughs> anyway, so today we have someone who, who me and Van have known for, well, I've known him for what almost like ten years or ten years. Yeah, right easily. around there, he corrupted my youth. Yeah, you've known him far longer than me. Yeah, yeah he may he damaged you at an early age. And my, so Van has actually cited you as having been one of the people instrumental in becoming a damaged individual. I'd, I'd say that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. about fifteen years now for me and you. Yeah, it's too long. It's too, it's too long to know anybody. Many a crime was committed. Yeah, I'd have to come talk to his parents when he would get arrested and smooth it over for him. That <laughs> they're like, yeah, trustworthy white person. He's <laughs> taking care of our children. Then when his black friends would come over, they'd look at them funny. Yeah, yeah. and they were probably more upstanding <laughs> than you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I I don't know how they thought I was like that. I mean, you saw what I looked like back then. Uh, what did know. you wear? Big polo shirts and pants. Yeah, I'd, I'd look like one of the <laughs> local gangbangers and had a goatee and somewhat longer hair. And you looked like yeah, a fucking juggalo. I definitely wasn't khakis. And <laughs> well, so I think this guy. Were you there when Mario got the the gun pulled on him? He I, was, I wasn't with him for that one. Yeah, he told he he was trying to pull. He was trying to flex some street cred when we had uh, one of our guys on. One of our, our, our black guests, he tried to be like, yeah, I know what it's like to get a gun pulled on you for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was telling him about the multiple times <laughs> that we, we as in uh, uh, the old crew that we used to run with, would oh. get arrested for doing stupid shit. Yeah. Most, mostly one of those times was to- with Tommy. Yeah. Yeah, so. Tommy. Um, Tommy, he's our bartender friend. Maybe we'll have him on one day. Oh, but uh, I don't know. Growing up in this neighborhood, it, it was never a surprise to be followed by the police, and usually we were on some shady shit, anyways. So yeah, we we pretty much got everything we deserved. Yeah, everyone knew. Like uh, that was the thing. It's like, dude, if you get if you get arrested, you're gonna get beat up. Like no matter Show what. Show me the line. <laughs> everyone knew this. So our white privilege wasn't enough here in Cicero to to keep us from getting beat up by the police and fucked with. I never got fucked with by the police. No. I have the maximum, but I also wasn't doing stupid shit. Oh, okay. the, the Cicero police wouldn't hand out beatings unless you mouthed off to them when they, when they had you. Oh, yeah. that's a fair reason to beat somebody. <laughs> <laughs> or you demasculate them like I did. Yeah, and yeah. then you got beat up or what? Yeah, that was the time that uh, they came for me at my house, and I was a young little wrestling 
stud. Yeah, in the MySpace days, Van had pictures of his muscles. Yeah, <laughs> where, are, where are they? I don't know, dude. They're long gone. <laughs> they're gone. Leave me alone. <laughs> anyway, so what happened? They came to get you? Uh, they came to get me because apparently they had, uh, had a witness that saw me go do some graffiti, but... I was dumb enough that I was already going by the graffiti name that uh, that I was putting everywhere on, fucking all over the place. So they came and arrested me, and then it was a little short, stocky fucking uh, uh, a police officer. He was shorter than you? He was shorter than me. Holy shit. At dude. 16. <laughs> this guy, he came and got arrested by a midget. Yeah. So, <laughs> by a little person, I'm sorry. Oh, good job. Good sorry, job. little people. So he fucking uh, tries to handle me down the stairs, and, I, and I'm just all like, bro, <laughs> you can't move me. I'm a fucking wrestler. I know center of gravity and shit. <laughs> and so he gets fucking pissed. And uh, finally, they get me to the car, and I'm already handcuffed. And the guy turns around, and he's all like, you little fucking piece of shit. And he just fucking starts wailing on me fucking as I'm handcuffed. So mm. I know what it's like to be beaten while in handcuffs. Yeah, but you, you were talking shit to the little cop, man. I wasn't talking shit, shit. I was yeah. just showing him that I was far more physically imposing than him. Well, yeah, so, you can't really flex on cops. That It's not good. Well, at least now with the police reform, next time, next a time. social worker will come get you. And oh, they'll, they'll talk to you about all your aspirations, and they'll find the best way to, you know, just fix your life, man. So you won't graffiti no more. Yeah, that's what you were doing, graffiti? Yeah, it was graffiti. Yeah, maybe they'll give you fucking spray bottles so, so they can encourage some community art. Listen, Holmes, I was out there spreading art into the community, you know what I'm nah, saying? you were vandalizing shit. That, this is, and I know this is when you were hitting up Shroom, just drawing mushrooms on things. Just drawing mushrooms on things. My uh, claim to fame was the giant mushroom on top of uh, an old abandoned building on the main street. That's good. That's admirable. Yeah. Anyway, but listen, man, we're not here to talk about you, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, fucking not your criminal background. Well, I mean, Drano has, you know, <laughs> he's responsible so, for most of it. So, you know, well, I mean, we, so we don't have a a script today, man. We don't have an agenda. I but, do. I have it right in front of me. They, oh, well, tell us what it is, dude. What are we going to talk about today? Uh, so we're going to actually remind the audience of who Drano is. We're because, remind. Um, actually, he's not actually out there on... Any of our aired episodes. He's on our unaired episodes, but I pulled up a little rewind. Oh, shit. Is that legal? <laughs> yeah. Did you know you were being recorded that day? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> well, let me bring it up so you guys can have a good chuckle. <laughs> Could they point out his voice from this recording? You think so? From this? Yeah, you think it sounds like him? Yeah, yeah, Drano, sorry. When you run for office, this uh, this recording is going to be used against you. Can you... Uh, I'm never, I, I, I'm I'm never going to run for office, guys. It's okay. not going to happen. What do you think of the gays? Yeah, tell us about the gays in the south side of Chicago. I'll save that for the podcast. How about that? <laughs> yeah, bitch. Tune in next time if you want to hear Drano's opinion about the black gays in the south side of Chicago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> some opinions. That's good, dude. <laughs> we, I feel like we've grown. I know, dude. I'm all like, we sound so young. <laughs> what the fuck is that? All right, so we're going to have to apologize for that one. Is that what we're really talking about today? <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's, uh, you know, we, we've grown since then. Oh, you know, okay. It's a very long time ago, and you live life. You, we, it, that's kind of like a Kevin Hart moment. Oh. We, we said it. We were there, but we've grown. Drano got soft. 
<laughs> I don't even know when that's from. This guy's just got clips of shit that I don't even know when the fuck he's getting. I, I, I think that was like two weeks ago when I talked to you guys on the phone. So no, 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 that ahead. was uh, that was two months ago. That, that was when it? we did the episode. Oh, the original clip. The test episode two. Yeah, it's like negative two or three or something like that. Um, but Drano had a lot of good advice for us. If you're attempting to do narcotics transactions on the south side of Chicago, make sure you bring all of your money or you might get raped with a big purple bobo. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> that, that's a real life story from one of my coworkers. Yeah. And then uh, there's also... If a punk doesn't die and he reaches a certain age, he will sell out. So it's been written. That's oh, true. Yeah. And, and a word to the wise, if you have a girl in your life and you love her, you shouldn't be having down low sex with men <laughs> and then coming home and making love to her. That's just dirty. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Uh, Drano also has some platitudes about fucking uh, who he is on his, like, age range, I guess, or what he's defined as. I'm a, I'm a fucking early stage millennial with a boomer mentality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good, this guy did his homework. Those are all good clips. Those are all from, from our, yeah, from our, our test episode. Maybe one day. We'll release those to our our, our Patreon uh, clients with uh, with some panties and and used socks. It'll be good. Yeah, it'll be great. But anyway, so all right, but but for real, for real, you know, before we even started doing the podcast, when we were just in the planning stages, you were one of the first people that I wanted to get on, um, because I've known you for a long time, and I think you've had a pretty interesting story, you know, and that's. Part, part of what I wanted to get into um, is pretty much, I mean, as far as I've known, you you were a scumbag your whole youth, and then you, you were reformed. You became a reformed man. Yeah, that's, you, that's fair. But you were you were always one of the most disciplined people I knew, um, and then you went on to fucking get a crack in and become a paramedic, and that was part of what I wanted to get into. I wanted to get into, you know, this whole COVID situation and how that's affected your, your work. And, um, and most recently the fucking riots and all of that. I know you were out there during that weekend where shit was real crazy. I think we've spent the last like fucking six episodes talking about that, but it's been, uh, it's one of those like once in a lifetime, we're in a point in history right now where shit's just insane. So I don't know that enough time could be spent on that. And seeing everyone's different different perspectives, you know, we've had people that wanted to burn it all down. We've had uh, people that wanted peace. We've had people that thought it was a global conspiracy by the bloodlines, which you know, I mean, yeah. we've had what? We've had fire chief who 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 gave us some insight into how that shit yeah, was, was going mixed, that night. Mixed kind of view on it. We're trying to get a a law enforcement person, but you know that that one's tricky. But we're trying to get everyone's perspective on that, so I want to get on into into that shit later. But uh, yeah, we have Drano with us, the legendary Drano. Drano's a local legend. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. So anyway, man, tell us, tell us, you know, pretty much who you are, where you came up. I I met you here in Cicero, um, but you you'd been around for far longer than that. Uh, Grew up on the, the very far west side of Chicago, about as far west as you can go before you hit the burbs. And mom was a waitress and dad was a city worker. Uh, tough neighborhood, tough kids, you know, not as bad as like, you know, living in Englewood or the heart of the west side, but tough enough. And went to public school and 
I, I was always a juvenile delinquent, but somewhat smart, I guess. They tried skipping me a couple of grades. My mom wouldn't let that happen. She, <laughs> Why not? Because she said that I was bad enough and I didn't need to be around older kids that would make me even worse. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's smart. That's smart, right yeah. So, we're, so the west side, the far west side of Chicago, what was the breakdown of that? Like, were you the only white boy? No, the neighborhood was half white, half Hispanic with a, a small amount of uh, black kids in our neighborhood. And as far as school went, it was about, in thirds, white, Hispanic, mm. and black, because all the black kids, they got busted from over Eisenhower to us. So how'd that work? Were people, did people kind of get into, segregate each other? The people were people, was everybody cool? No, everybody was all right. I mean, you still had your fist fights and stuff, but nobody really hated each other. No, no, there wasn't racial tension, bro? No. It wasn't like the prison yard? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Aryan Brotherhood and the fucking... Uh, yeah, the polar bears and the essays and yeah. the, no. the, the black gorilla nation. No, it wasn't like that at all. Oh, damn. Yeah, no. In my school, we just made up uh, wrestling factions and beat each other up, for, you know, with paper books. With paper books? You guys couldn't afford the, the nice hard copy ones? No. Damn. Yeah, the, the fun thing to do after school is to go home and get changed and eat something and then have everybody link back up and, you know... Go go in one direction on the compass to a, another neighborhood and go pick fights with those kids. <laughs> that kind of fucking lowbrow. So, play that shit again. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's some good stuff. Yeah, you don't have any kicks. No, I don't have any kicks. Sounds well, like you a could, punch. But as you could, you could count it as a kick. It's like, yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good stuff right there. Anyway, so. I mean, well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna revert back to my fall back on my my boring uh, NPR type interview. Oh, you know, oh, well, what, what, what? I mean, what were the challenges growing up in that neighborhood and and the benefits of it? You know, as far as you're concerned, like coming out of there. Well, the neighborhood was super tight. I mean, everybody knew each other. If you were out doing stupid shit like we all were, a lot of times we got caught because neighbors were watching and they'd tell your parents, and you know, you might get beat up fighting with kids in another neighborhood, and then come knock over some garbage cans in your own and then get your ass kicked from your parents. So it made you tough. That's cool. Well, that was, I guess that was bad and that was good then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and what were, what, what were the gangs like there? Was it one of these things where you had to be with someone or the, the gang banging in the neighborhood didn't really start until I was like 10 or 11 and the Latin Kings were the, the first ones, them and the 12 street players to be over there, which that was a white gang. 12th Street players. Yeah, that's that's old school, man. Shit right there. Yeah. Is that like the Gaylords, or is that different? Uh, I mean, similar. <laughs> there, there were a bunch of Italian kids that uh, you know, had their own little gang. That's not Italian, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's all white. You know, all it's white all people. the same. Yeah, all white people have the, what is that, the Dixie? Yeah, the Dixie fucking nudge. Uh, horn. The horn. That's good. Is that what you have in your on your car, Drano? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Drano's cool enough to where they would actually let him have the. Uh... Yeah, dude, you're, you're, we used to talk about me getting that, and it never happened. <laughs> I, I was seriously gonna do that. There you go. Yeah, see, he's we honorary. Could, yeah, we could get it for him for for what? What would be for Juneteenth? Uh, June. My 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 birth my birthday is August seventeenth. Just so you know, oh, August seventeenth. All right, what's your social? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody, on uh, August 17th, we're going to crash Drano celebration. W will it be socially distant? No. <laughs> we, we don't do that. At yeah, bring your guns. Bring 
plenty of cheap beer or do you drink good beer now um i'm equal opportunity with beer still yeah that means he still drinks cheap beer yeah <laughs> he still <laughs> drinks bush yeah that's you, fucked you up put it in front of me i'll drink it that's true that yeah. is why you are that's, called drano yeah so all right so so i guess what did drano 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 did you get that name in your adolescence or yeah. were you still a child when you, when no. you <laughs> i was like 11 years old when i got that oh well, amazing. yeah that's good so what was going on? What was going on during that time that you that you earned the name Drano? Because that's pretty wild. I wound up hanging out with a bunch of dudes that were like sixteen to nineteen at the schoolyard where I went to K through eight. So they weren't supposed to be drinking either. No, <laughs> but uh, they were passing around a bottle of vodka. They had like one of them big, oh, big half half gallon cheap vodka jobs, and I was like, "Hey, let me see that." And they're like. Get the fuck out of here, kid. And I kept bothering him, and eventually one of them was like, you know what, let him drink some of it. He'll wind up puking and going home, and he won't bother us anymore. And, and it didn't work out that way. That's nice. I yeah. sat I sat there and drank the whole thing with those guys and stumbled home, and the one guy made a remark that, you know, the kid could probably drink a Drano and not die, and he's okay. And that's it. It was over. Yeah. Some good childhood memories. So did you get in trouble that night showing up drunk or what? I got the shit beat out of me. And then my dad made me rearrange the garage the next day and like basically anything that would make you sweat and feel miserable while you're hungover. Yeah. For how long? How long did that last? That was like an eight hour day. He gave me a full work day of lifting shit and moving shit. And I threw up in the gangway a couple of times and. Oh, nice. Did you learn your lesson? No. (laughs) (laughs) Do, do, Do you think that, do you think that. There, there was any hope for you to have learned any lesson at that time? I'm, sp- I'm still pretty obstinate when it comes to a lot of shit. Yeah, because I mean, I know that when I was when I was young, there was nothing you could tell me. There was shit, you could tell me. I was going to go to the fuck I wanted, pretty much. I think so. But uh, wow. so that that was even before high school. So how how was high school for you? Uh, Were you still in the same neighborhood or no? All my buddies wound up, you know going to Chicago public high school and I wound up getting a scholarship about halfway through eighth grade based off of academics. You know, my, my grades and test scores were still really good despite being an idiot out on the street. And I went to a Catholic school on the South side, which that was an experience because, you know, everybody from the city here knows the West side and the South side are completely different things. And, uh, I got in fights every day on the train going to school and coming back from school. And it sucked, and it was all boys, which sucked even worse. Every single day? Is that possible? Yeah. Five days a week. Every yeah. day? Every day. Wow. See, I've, I've truly lived a life of privilege. <laughs> you never got into fights every day? No. Uh, well, we got into fights for recreational use, but <laughs> Drano was doing yeah. it for survival. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It wasn't for fun. You, you get kids from rough neighborhoods on the train, and they see a... a you know, a darker looking Caucasian dude, you know, he's got somewhat of a tan wearing an Oxford shirt and patent leather shoes and dress pants. They're going to try and test you. Darker looking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, they found a, a slightly look, look, melanated. Look, look at my arm here compared to angels. He's, look, he's, yeah. he's, he's Puerto Rican and for, I'm darker than him. For those listening, you know, um, but it's your pasty side of your arm. See, mine is far pastier. Oh, wow. Dr- Dr- okay. So, I'm Puerto Rican. Drano's white. We're we're um, you know comparing arms, and we're just about the same tone. However, I have a farmer's tan that I've worked on for for at least two decades. 
you know, and uh, it is super pasty when when you get to my shoulder, and it is actually wider than Drano's. So I'm wider than you. And that's what's up, dude. When the you know race rides start, we'll basically have you on our, on the white side, and Drano's probably going to join the other side. Maybe it might be the case. Although I've been bestowed the honorary title of Mexican and Black before. Oh, so shit. I might have to I might have to go to the right people and and cash that in. You're like a double fucking minority. Well, if if that yeah. shit ever happens, everybody loses. That's pretty much it. That's true. You know? You know? You know? Because you know? Yeah, you know. We, we're gonna be stuck over here with the Mexicans and black people, and you know this guy's gonna be over there in his south 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 suburban, right? No, I'm in the city. So his suburb, but it's still the, it's, that's like a chick. It's not Chicago suburb. No, no, no. He's going to be over there with all the retired cops and firemen and soldiers who are trained to fucking kill. Yeah, we're going to be over here with me carrying my Foyt card, never having shot a gun. We're going to try to show up over there. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to show up over there. I don't know. There's a <clears throat> a number of neighborhoods in the city that are like mine. Yeah. There's, there's a couple on the south side. There's some in the northwest corner of the city. And um, yeah, I, I think if push came to shove, I mean, we saw some of it during the riots that were going on a couple weeks ago that nobody from my neighborhoods were going on any kind of offensive, trying to go into other people's neighborhoods or hurt anybody. They pretty much drew the line in the sand and said, don't bring that shit over here. Yeah. So, all right. But so what, what, what was high school like for you, man? Did, were, so you were, you were a scumbag. I can't imagine that you not, you know, I feel is that harsh. Is that too harsh? No, okay. not. <laughs> Can I'm, we call I'm, Drano's I'm, comeback? I'm I'm self self professed. I've always yeah, said I that. know that's true. Yeah, but yeah, uh, freshman year was you know the Catholic school that I went to, and I got tired of that really quickly. I did well there academically. I told the the guidance counselor that I had from the scholarship foundation that I wanted to do something different, and uh, she got me into a college prep military academy out of state, which oh. was coed and nice. and far more prestigious. You know, there's been some. Pretty notable people that have graduated from there. They've been the school's been around for 130 or 140 years. So that's that's where is that where you got your discipline, or were you already disciplined before that? I mean, as disciplined as you could have been, I guess. Some of it came from my family. I mean, both sides, mom and dad, have had multiple men that wore the uniform in the military. Mm. Some United States military. Uh, my grandfather was in the Lithuanian military. He was uh, the equivalent of a federal police officer over there after he got out of the military. I have other cops in my family. I'm, I'm the first guy in the fire service to wear a uniform, but it's a pretty strong tradition down the line. So this is pa generationally passed down. Yeah, about, about four generations on both sides. Of wearing uniforms and helping the state? Well, trying to help people. <laughs> Look at this guy. Listen, man. What? We're doing a very serious interview over here. You have no sound effects? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, sorry, so you went to a military school. You graduated, I assume? Yep. That's good. Got got into college right away, and uh, I don't know. I, wheels kind of fell off. You know, parents weren't able to send me hardly any money. They were broke. I couldn't find a job down there. You know, I was on a scholarship once again, and... I just got tired of being broke and went and found my own job and started living life like an adult and having way more fun than I should have. And it kind of snowballed over the years. I was fucking my life up majorly, wasting talent, wasting time. 
What What do you think? I mean, kind of got you in that direction. Just not because you were going to college already. Yeah, I, I, you know, did my first my freshman year. You know, passed some classes, failed some classes because I was just not attending them. You know, getting high and going to parties and shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's the American dream. I I figured I was wasting my time down there, so I left, came home, and started living, you know, a normal, somewhat normal life of trying to work and do something different, but I was still immature. What have you always done for a living prior to to what you do now? I worked any kind of job you could imagine. I worked in call centers. I did light mechanic work on cars. I worked in factories, you know, all kinds of stuff. I've never known you. To, to to work. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there 24-7, but all the, the years that we used to hang out all the time, you weren't working, so I, I can't picture you at a fucking call center. Can you imagine Drano at a call center? Oh, he's got a luscious radio Yeah, voice, that is so. true. He does have a, a velvety voice. Wow. Yeah, like the last two years before I started, you know, writing the ship, I that was probably the worst part of my life where I didn't give a shit about anything depressed drinking every day yeah. during the call center days no no this was my, my very late 20s oh, okay when yeah I, yeah when i was like at the height of the scumbaggery and that's probably when i when we started hanging out a little bit earlier than that but yeah i've always had a tendency of either me gravitating or people gravitating towards me when they were in very strange places in their lives <laughs> yeah but um I mean, so I, I, that's part of what I remember. It's like you, you, you were, when I met you, you were a caretaker for your grandma, no? Yeah, that's, I, I still think about that all the time. And I don't know how I pulled that off, taking care of her. I did a good job of that, even though I wasn't doing a good job with my own life. Yeah, because it was like we, we'd go, we'd get fucked up, and we'd fucking, I remember the one time that we started here at Mario's at the Cicero Command Center. We got drunk all night, and we were walking around drinking, and we ended up in your, in the front of your place, and we got drunk till fucking the sun came up. And we did that probably more than, more than once, <laughs> definitely more than once. <laughs> that, is that, that's, what do you mean? That's a great thing, dude. That's, <laughs> great. that's a success. In retrospect, not very much. Hell, but no, but you still, yeah, you, you manage to, to fucking, you know, have fun or be self-destructive, but just keep it contained enough to, to care for somebody, which is fucking, which I always thought was fucking cool as fuck, so. Yeah, I love my grandmother dearly, and I, I took care of my brother, too. I still am. Mm-hmm. He, he yeah. moved in towards the the end of that phase for me. I, eventually, I just got sick of it and started hating myself and pushed myself to taking a good hard look in the mirror and. Had the the woman that's in my life now, who I love more than anything. She helped turn me towards the mirror and taking that hard look. And uh, I think the last thing that that topped it off was almost getting shot, having every bullet out of a magazine that got dumped, rip a few holes through my jeans and my shirt, and hit my friend. And I was sitting there putting pressure on his, you know, the wounds that he had in his arm from getting lit up. And uh, I had enough at that point. It wasn't the first time in my, lo- in my life that I had been shot at, but it was, you know, the last one. So what 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 happened there? I've actually never heard about about this story. I was at a family party in Little Village, and uh, 
I don't know, some jagoffs drove by and didn't like the looks of who was there. It was mostly, you know, women and kids. There was a handful of us that didn't look very good, but we weren't bothering anybody. You know, you're barbecuing out in the, the front lawn and there's balloons and streamers and stuff out for like an eight-year-old, eight-year-old's birthday. And uh, they came around the block into the alley and we did not see them. I was standing at the front of the gangway with my arms on the fence. So I was perfectly silhouetted because... Oh, my shoulders are almost the width of the gangway, and the guy from the alley opened fire with a semi-automatic handgun at my back, and every single one of them whizzed past me, and my buddy was standing on the other side of the fence. He's the one that wound up getting hit. Mm. He's alive, but his, his arm's going to be fucked up for the rest of his life. That's pretty crazy. You had, like, a, what, what movie Pulp was fuck, that? Pulp yeah, Fiction. Pulp Fiction moment where it's like, what the fuck? Look behind you and shit. That's crazy. Fucking... And what, I mean, so I, I, you know, I can really, I have not gotten shot at, um, but I also don't hang out in Little Village. <laughs> I fucking avoid Viva it. la raza! <laughs> no, but, but, no, for real, but that, that's something that is similar to, like, <clears throat> my, my, my realization has been a lot slower than that, because I found that person in my 20s that I was like, oh, shit, like, you know, kind of put that mirror on you, and you're like, oh. I have to I have to figure some shit out. I have to make some changes. But even those took about eight years before they really took hold. Yeah. But uh, you know, that that'll that'll do that sometimes. It takes sometimes somebody to you you don't even realize the fucking pit you're in and then, you know, someone kinda pulls you out or shows you like, Hey, no, look, check it out, you're in a fucking hole right now. Yeah, they just go, Hey, stop digging, asshole. Yeah, it's we'll, like you we'll, don't we'll figure out how to get out of there. <laughs> right. Like you don't have to keep, you know, and and, and sometimes you can't you can't just like yeah it's all you know and you just kind of get stuck there and it's easier than most people know and that could turn out really you know really bad and shit you know i saw people end up living in the street and end up addicted and shit like that so <laughs> it's the saddest song in the world <laughs> nah there's worse yeah no nah, but so so but i thought he was gonna play some gary jewels the <laughs> <laughs> mad world <laughs> But then at a certain point, um, you know, that's, that's part of one of those uh, accountability things. You know, you, you have to pull yourself out of there. I mean, even even if you need the help, it, there's nothing wrong with, with needing that help. Because most of us do at a certain point, especially if you get to that level. But, like, you can only be the person that's like, all right, I need to pull myself out of this. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of people, you know, that that suffered bad different addictions, opiates, cocaine alcohol you name it you know they talk about hitting rock bottom and a you know when the hand comes out being held out to you that's up to you to take it if you don't take it you're just going to be right where you're at yeah and it's it's hard too because um i feel that people get stuck in a cycle of like come not and it's not comfort complacency it's just like being able to predict what's in front of you it it gets people stuck where any change is inconceivable for various reasons. You'll convince yourself that you can do this or you can do that for this or that reason, or you, if you even intellectualize it to that level, but it, it's kind of like to the point where, where you're not fully like aware of, of the situation and, and, and it's self-perpetuating too. Cause you create the circumstances as like, all right, if you, you start off, you're depressed, you're fucking, you know, like you become antisocial, you only do shit that puts you in the position where you're like, now you're dealing with the situation that 
Well, now you should be depressed, bitch, because you look what you <laughs> look what you've done with your life. And, yeah, um, there, there's pride and self indulgence that goes into that too. A yeah. lot of people don't want to take the hand because when you get your head turned towards that mirror, that's a tough thing to deal with. You have to get get a whiff of yourself, and that that's not a pleasant thing to do. And it's predictable. It's manageable. You know, tomorrow will be the same because I'm gonna do the same shit, and that's manageable. When making those changes and, and kind of breaking out of those cycles is like completely unpredictable. You you have no clue what's going to happen, what, you know, the burden of responsibility. Like, what the fuck am I going to have to start doing now that I don't want to do, that I've been avoiding forever? And and at a certain point, it is it is daunting. It's like, holy shit, I mean, I'm fine now. Like, I don't know if I want to do all this other extra shit. Yeah, it's scary for people. So what, what led you and... In, into wanting to be, I mean, you're a paramedic, right? Right. That's what you do now. What got you in that direction? Like, what, 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 what about that experience made you start moving in that direction? Well, I realized that I had to do something and that I wasn't a dumb person. I don't think I'm the smartest guy on the planet, but a reasonably intelligent human being. Mm. And I could go back to school and, and be able to hack it, you know, as long as I picked something and stuck with it. And uh, everybody in my family, like I said, for the most part, four generations worth of men on both sides have, you know, did their part in helping people and being disciplined and being somebody that could be counted on. I probably should have did that when I was younger. I was being pushed towards a little bit. As you saw, I went to military school and I did well there. Yeah. And I just kind of ran away from my fate. I don't know. Yeah. I figured that's, you know, what I really needed to go do. It runs in the blood. I've always been the the guy that tries to help people. I've never been afraid of a fight. I've always taken care of my friends and my family. Why not do it for your community at large, you know? So, like, the plan the plan was going to take years. And I'm assuming making those type of plans before were, like, challenging. Like, how how was that? Like, what, what has it been easy? Like, was it one of those things you don't turn back around and you just keep going and it's fine or has it been difficult? It, it wasn't easy. I, I wouldn't say it was the worst thing in the world, but it definitely took dedication. I mean, the end result where I'm at now, I'm pretty much at the very height of my profession mm. where we're the highest paid in, in the world at what we do. And we're very good at it collectively. I work with some of the best men and women out there imaginable. And, uh, that's, there was no guarantee to get to, to that final step there. And even if I hadn't, I still would have pursued the route that I took, you know, yeah. working for a, a lesser organization, maybe not necessarily a municipality, but a private company. You don't make a lot of money doing that, but you make enough to live off of. But I, I was fine with that. So it's really just icing on the cake to, to be able to get to that to that final step where I'm at. So what what are the actual steps in getting to that point? Well, if you want to be in emergency medical services, you start off by taking your emergency medical technician basic course, or EMTB, mm. which is a semester in most places. And when you get done taking your final exam there, you get authorized you know, from your instructors to go challenge for state licensing through whatever the state of your, your choice that you're living in through their Department of Public Health. That's who licenses you. Mm. And once you have that, you can go into... The work field, you can either work in a private ambulance or you can work in a hospital emergency room or even up on the floor, you know, like on the heart unit or any, anything like that, being a tech, a tech, you know, checking people's vital signs, helping nurses pass out medication, et cetera, stuff like that. Is that, is that how you started at a hospital? Yeah, I started in an emergency room. 
I really did not want to be on a private ambulance as a basic because I would have, I was going to make a little more money in the hospital and take less of a beating doing it. Mm. So I did that and uh, you get a little bit of experience under your belt. You can apply for paramedic school, which is the very top of emergency medical technicians. You have B's, I's and P's, basic, intermediate, paramedic. So, so you start off, you know, you start off in the, in the ER, get enough experience and then apply to, to get a license for being a paramedic. Yeah. When I got into medic school, I was still working in the ER, but paramedic school is tough. You pretty much, you know, live that 24 seven for a year straight. You can kiss your family goodbye. Usually if you have a full-time job, you can kiss that goodbye. You're either going to have to back down to part-time hours or for some people, you know, they have to quit and just stick with school for the year. Because it's immersive. You, you're you either riding with the fire department, yeah. getting your hours with them. You're in the hospital learning every single department in the hospital. You do rotations in the emergency room at a trauma center. You do the psych floor. You do the cardiac unit. You do labor and delivery and deliver babies. Mm-hmm. You know They teach you every aspect of medicine that you can learn. And then you have all your classroom stuff and then all your studying at home. Literally, it's an 18-hour it's an day every day for a year straight. What was the most challenging part about about that? Um, Managing my home life and being able to stick to my responsibilities that I had for through the program I was in. I mean, like like I said, I had my brother and my grandmother. I had my girlfriend, which I'm I'm grateful she helped out immensely with that. But mm. there was a lot of times I just slept in my car. You know, like I'd, I'd go from the fire department that I was attached to that I was riding with to the hospital to do a rotation, and then have to work and then have to be back at the paramedic academy in the morning. And I had like three hours in between. So I just go to the academy and park my car in the lot and take a nap. That's good. Yeah. So you got to be a champion of industry, man. Yeah. If you, if you want something, go get it, you know? So then there's one of those NPR questions. What would you, what, what advice would you give to someone who's considering going into that? I'm actually dealing with that right now. One of, uh, a good friend that I grew up with, her younger brother just got into EMTB program. And uh, I, I guess it's based off of being inspired by me, which is kind of weird. I never thought I'd be, That's the, strange. be, be that dude, you know. Yeah. But I, I've been coaching him through everything. He's in class now. He's doing well. He's a smart kid. And I, I've told him all the, you know, the things that you can expect. You can expect it's a dirty job. It's a rough job. There's some. Sometimes you're going to see some extremely depressing shit. And you got to try and find a way to compartmentalize that and keep moving forward and not let it eat you alive. There are people out there that get burnt out and, you know, get PTSD, but, you know, there's, there's things that you can do to, to not have that happen to you. And he still seems all for it. He's bright eyed and ready to go. It's cool to see that. I, I remember feeling like that <laughs> before you're so yeah, I'm, 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 st- I'm, I'm still bright eyed, but I mean more in the, the aspect that you're, you're yeah. starting a new journey about to do some really cool shit. Yeah. And so, like, how do you even manage to compartmentalize something like that? Because, you know, most people most people don't see anyone die, you know, in their lives till they're older, or they might see, like, a few people, you know, like, in a casket or whatever, but, you know, seeing them dying, in, in the act of dying, seeing them dead right before you, things like that, or, like, I know that sometimes you guys respond to family situations where you see just some fucked up shit how like what 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 does someone do to to keep that at work or to manage the damage that that does to you 
I guess one of the main things that everybody in this line of work tries to do is repeat the mantra in your head that it's not your emergency. You're the person that's there to try and help somebody when they're having one and you can't eat everybody's pain. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's if, if you want to be a professional and, and still be able to continue to help people, you have to come to the realization that a, everybody can't be saved. It's not like what you see on TV when they start doing CPR on somebody, everybody magically comes back 30 seconds later. I've learned that when the human body dies, you can save them sometimes, but generally human bodies, when they die, they like to stay dead. Yeah. So, I mean, you've been doing this for how long now? I've been a medic for six years, I think, well, in total, including being an EMTB. It's uh, eight years now. So, I mean, we've had a few conversations in, in that time, and you've told me some fucking crazy-ass stories. And, uh, like, just surreal. Like, like shit that... Because you watch, you watch like shows like, you know, like the Chicago Fire show or like Law and Order or just whatever, just any fucking show that portrays anything like that. And you see shit and you're like, oh, okay, well, it's a show. But like some of the shit that you've described seeing is fucking ridiculous. Um, what, what, what's some of the craziest calls you've responded to or seen in the ER? I guess whatever's not incriminating. Can you talk? Yeah, yeah. you can talk about it. Yeah, Dr. Talk Drew about talked it. about that yeah. all the time. Uh, one good one. There was, uh, one of the metropolitan water reclamation district buildings in the very south end of the city. That already sounds like a place where people go. That sounds like a place where they have to sign. Do not to not like 30 days since last incident type uh, of places. It, it, it is, and it's also a, a, a government <laughs> installation, and it's they're very secure because our water supply, you know, terrorists can kill a whole lot of people if they get in there. But oh. the, the building that I'm describing blew up. Oh, mm. shit. And there was... 12 people trapped in there Mm. and uh yeah just being part of a big operation like that seeing that that was a terrible incident and everybody walked away alive none of the firemen were hurt none of the medics got hurt all the victims were in pretty critical condition the last guy that they pulled out they were actually considering doing a field amputation on his leg because he was trapped under like a thousand pound concrete slab and what what they do instead uh the all the uh the, the heavy rescue guys, they um they, they got him out of there. The, the doctor that wound up coming on scene that was going to perform said amputation said, hey, look, you got about 10, 15 more minutes before I have to cut this dude's leg off because he's, he's just going to die there, you know. In the bleeding. So they, they put in, they started working double time and they got the guy out of there. That's good. That's crazy. I, I've been on shooting scenes where you've had multiple people shot and the scene's chaotic. I was on one... uh. I'm not going to give the address or the location on it, but it's a, a southeast side neighborhood in the city. There was five people shot by a white castle. And we walked in, and there was only one police car on scene yet. We beat everybody in. Mm-hmm. And there was about 250 people on the block that came out that were really pissed. Damn. And uh, me and my partner, the guy that I was working with that day, wasn't my regular partner. He was on overtime, but he's a buddy of mine. Uh, we had to wind up fighting with about four or five dudes and hip-tossing people that are trying to rip me off of a patient saying, no, you don't, don't, don't help him help my friend over here. And it's screwed up because the guy I'm trying to help is shot, you know, six times in his chest and his back. But the buddy that he wants me to help is only shot in the arm. So you have to, you have to triage people and figure out things based off of need and severity. That's, that's, 
That yeah, see, that's one of those things that you don't really think would be like a scenario. Yeah, no. And the fuck, like, okay, now you show up as a paramedic to to try to save some. And I mean, I get, I get it, I get why that would happen, but it's just not a scenario that you know I would be like, oh, let me imagine paramedic scenarios. Guy shows up at White Castle has to fight people to fucking rescue certain people, like. I mean, that's better than the dildo fucking experience. Than the dildo story. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah uh, two buddies of mine, trans, we'll, we'll tell that one. That's a funny <laughs> we'll, we'll add it to the bonus. <laughs> we'll add it to the fucking, we'll put it out there. Um, I want to salute you, Drano, because you are a real American hero. Bud Light presents <laughs> Real American Heroes. Real American Heroes. I think <laughs> this guy's probably been waiting years to do that. Yeah, it, it, it fit. It was good. But <laughs> well, two, two co-workers got called for the injured victim, mm. and they show up, and the guy's embarrassed, of course. And he gets He's like, I don't want to talk around nobody. Get me in your ambulance, and I'll tell you what's wrong. <laughs> and they get in there, and he was bleeding from his rectum. Yeah. Mm. And he's like, let me show you. They're like, oh, no, no, we can see there's blood coming through your jeans back there. Just tell us what happened, you know. And he's like, well, man, I was trying to go buy an ounce of heroin, and I had this deal set up with these guys and I show up and when we're counting the money, I was $20 short and I could have swore that I had the whole damn thing. I don't know where the 20 went. It was a lot of money, you know, and these dudes got pissed and I was trying to tell them like, look, man, I'll let, let me make it right somehow. You know, let, let's not make this violent or anything. And they're, they were not hearing it. These guys were mad that he did not come correct for his drug purchase. So this group of dudes held him down and produced a very large purple dildo and sexually assaulted this man with it. Ha! Gay! <laughs> and That's our, our their, their question was like, you know, the, the one partner, he's a bit of a smart ass. He's like, well, can you describe the dildo? What, how, how long was it? Or did it have multiple veins sticking out of it? And this poor yeah. dude's getting embarrassed. My buddy that was the other That's partner is sitting there trying not to laugh and trying to remain as professional as possible while his partner's being a troll. But, you know, when we all talked about that, incident we're like who the hell carries a dildo to a drug deal yeah i mean maybe there was one of those like butch lesbians that keeps the dildo in her book bag all the time maybe she maybe that's who did it to him nigga please listen <laughs> <laughs> we're professionals man what's wrong with you Real American hey. so well i mean that that's all been on on the on the field so like dude when all the riots and all the shit was going on, I think it was the day after, it was like the Monday, I was listening to the radio, and there was a call put in. It's like some dude shot him, shot, got shot at those, right? Gunshot, gunshot victim. Like, oh, gunshot victim. Two minutes later, it's like, victim's been shot in the testicles. It's like, oh, fuck. That sucks. That is, that is far, that, that's terrible. That, that happens far more than you know. And then, call comes in, third call. Uh, gunshot victim to the testicles was self-inflicted, and I'm like, oh. Do you think that was just someone putting their gun on their, on their shirt? Yeah, he had his he had his gun in his waistband, and uh, it was either you know like running or attempting to pull it out, and ne- mm. had a negligent discharge and shot himself in the jump. Negligent discharge. Yeah, yeah that's that's, that, that's good, our that's band. <laughs> let's start a band, dude, called Negligent Discharge. That, that, that's you know really like when it when it comes to firearms, you talk to guys that are in the military or a police department or guys that are hunters or avid recreational shooters. There's no such thing as an accidental discharge. 
You're supposed to be Negligent. in complete. You're supposed to be in complete control of your weapon at all times. Know how to properly use it. Like guns it. don't shoot themselves. No. What? Damn, guns don't shoot themselves. No, I thought I, guns were bad and they did all kinds of crime and just discharge on themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. They're always convincing you know people to use them to go you know. What are you crimes. talking about? What are you talking about? The guns. The guns are evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get them off the streets. Yeah, pe- people are evil. Guns are inanimate objects. They're they're a tool. What? Well, you know what? Tell that to the next gun that shoots at you. Oh, I tell <laughs> tell that to the person that's shooting at me. But yeah. Well, no, you don't talk to guns. You don't talk to your guns, dude. No, if, if I did, I'd that'd be bad. <laughs> We'd have oh, to take them that. away. Yeah. So, all right. So, so you are a gun owner. Yep. You showed me. I I I, I held my my uh, first and only shotgun when I went to visit you. Yeah, it makes you feel powerful. Did you cock it? No, no. Angel just liked it because it was big and black. Yeah, it was big and black, and it was heavy. It had girth. It had fucking. Uh, it was hefty. You know what I'm it, saying? It, it was also well oiled. <laughs> yeah, it was well. It was well lubricated. You know, it slid fine. Do guns have shafts? No, they got barrels. Barrel. The barrel was nice. Felt good in my hand. Uh, nigga, you get. All right. <laughs> so. Yeah, you're 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 a gun owner. Are, are you? Can we even ask that? Is that, is that too private? Are you concealed carry? No, I don't have my concealed carry license. Why not? Uh, there's a whole different set of legal stuff that comes into that. Like you're you've got a lot of standards heaped on you when you get it. So I've been kind of hesitant to take that step. Like what? Because I'm I'm so I I have a Foyd card. I've not shot a gun. I don't own a gun as of yet. I'm gonna go pretty soon, but. I want to get a concealed carry eventually. There, there's a whole lot of scenarios when you go through, you know, your training class to go get it, a certified class. They explain in depth different scenarios where you can and where you can't, and sometimes where there's gray areas. Yeah. And if you get in a situation where you've got to shoot somebody, and you are not 100 percent right, you're going to be on the hook for a lot. Maybe not just going to jail, but if you own a house or you've got a family. Mm-hmm. They're living in the house that you're paying a mortgage on. That shit might get taken away in a lawsuit, and then you and your family are going to be homeless. Oh, I thought they were going to take your family. No, what? I was like, holy shit! Wait, we have we haven't got to that point yet <laughs> in our society. But can you imagine? I was like, I'm really yeah. waiting for like, yeah, and they take your kids and they wife. Take and your kids. They put them into they get repossessed. You have to pay pay for them. Get them they back. become someone else's family. Yeah, they get repurposed. Yeah, in an inner city uh, family exchange program where we find fatherless children. They, they just grind them up and turn them into soil and green, and <laughs> somebody will drink. Into miracle meat, into that Burger King miracle meat, Impossible Burger. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> nah, bro, it doesn't sound the same when you say it. I'm sorry, I'm not melanin enough. Melanated? Yeah, you're not. You know, you're actually a, a Latino, Latinx, Latinx, and. Your white friend is far more tan than you, bro. She like he is shades. He's shades darker than you. Should be ashamed. Yeah, please. All right. This is all those sound effects you got, man. You don't got no more. I got plenty. Carlos is gonna be listening to us, and he's gonna be. He's he said that you need new sound effects. I'm waiting for the right time for most of them. You know, <laughs> I gotta make sure that you know. When Drano's talking about, you know, when he ate lunch. I Last night, him. you had the enchilada combo platter. <laughs> this morning, the three cheese omelet with broccoli. This afternoon, oh. you're a ticking time bomb. Yeah, Drano is, that's very, is that what you ate this morning? 
a broccoli uh, omelet. No, I actually had a bowl of Captain Crunch with my childish ass. Damn, Captain Crunch. Dude, I had some Captain Crunch. I I saw that shit at the store yesterday. I was like, fuck yeah. I had some a couple weeks ago. I I, I told my girl when she was at the store to get me cereal, and I told her to surprise me. She got me Captain Crunch, the berry one with berries in it. I can't afford any of that. Hey, big bro, can I get $2? (laughs) (laughs) I hear that a lot at work. <laughs> Carlos coming up to you and just being like, hey, "Bro, can I get two dollars?" No, Car- Carlos used to always ask me for rides. Sometimes I would hook him up. Sometimes I'd be like, "Nah, bro, go get a car." Yeah, go take the bus. Like the rest yeah. of them. Anyway, so we we talked to uh, the fire chief last week, and he told us some pretty crazy, I guess, COVID related stories. One of which was that they've been pretty much dealing with that shit since December. Yeah, the uh, the official timeline that you hear on the news when you watch TV is not really all that accurate. Yeah, because um, the the initial outbreak started in China, in Wuhan, China, 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 in, in Wuhan in early November, like is either right. the seventh or the eleventh. Yeah, and since they're the world's second largest economy, right behind us, you could imagine the amount of international air travel that goes in between both of our countries and the rest of the world, the rest of the industrialized world, Europe, you know, where all the We need at. to build a wall. <laughs> China's already got a wall, man. There, there's China. A, there's a lot of people that I know, and I, I guess that would be anecdotal because that's not enough numbers, but that said that they had, like, the worst fucking flu of their life in late yeah. November, early December. Mm-hmm. And, uh... One of my friends actually got antibody tests, you know, like a month ago after telling me that, you know, finally managed to get around to it and had antibodies. So this person probably had it. And, but they, was he sick last year or was he just like maybe one of the asymptomatic people? No, he actually was symptomatic, said it was like the worst flu of his life. And this was like. Before he got here officially? Officially, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of people um, in California when they started doing the antibody test that, that, had described the same thing around November, December, having gotten real fucked up. Even at my job, yeah. at that time, there was some people that got really sick, got like fever type. This sickness. guy right here. Oh yeah, but people they just weren't able to to shake it. You know, like ordinarily the flu will be done in like five days. These people were sick for two weeks, and yeah. really high fevers keep knocking it down. It keeps coming back. Mm. You just feel like you got ran over by a train. Yeah, I'm also a superior specimen, so I don't get sick like that. Sorry, guys. Oh, nah, but I, I unless yeah, everyone was getting sick. I, I managed to not get sick. I've still managed to not get sick. I might have had it asymptomatically, maybe. I, I feel like that's probably the case more than than me not having gotten it at all. You guys, you know, being at the shelter and stuff like <laughs> that, that that's an at-risk population, and a lot of homeless people have wound up getting it. So we. So in the beginning of the lockdown, I started working from home. So I did about two months from home. He stood working on site. Um, our shelter managed to only have one guest uh, test positive, right? She and, she had already come in positive. Yeah, she she had gone. She had been out in the wild and then came came back and had gotten the the virus. You can't say like that out oh. in the wild. I didn't. Yeah. And then staff-wise, we had three people test positive, but they also got it out in the wild. So they and took, hanging out from each other, hanging out. Yeah, with hanging each other. out with each other, knowing that, you know. Um, 
but yeah, they managed to actually keep the place. You know, the place was on extra lockdown. You couldn't leave unless you had something that you documented, you know, like employment, documented employment, documented doctor's appointments. Um, then, you know, the protocol when you come back, the whole bag, closing the bag, shower, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and, so they, and encouraging them to wear masks when they go yeah. out and social distance from people and stuff. Right. And and in the building with the masks and every day um, sanitizing door handles. And they, they really did a, a lot of shit. And it's one of those like, all right, did we dodge it because we dodged it just just because we dodged it or did we dodge it because of all the measures? Because you can't know. Uh, I was just having a conversation with a supervisor. It's like, man, I wonder, you know, like, what would we have gotten it had we not taken all those measures? I mean, I guess it would stand to reason, yeah, right? Because the other big, big ass shelters in the city got fucking clobbered, um, according to to Fire Chief Stan. Yeah, um, and it makes perfect sense of those emergency shelters. They have the same group of people that come every day. They still they stay there overnight. There, there's a lot of factors why, you know, it wasn't worse. A, namely, the virus isn't as bad as it advertised, but, you know, when you have a novel virus like that, which means new, there's not a lot that's known about it on a scientific level. So, you know, the scientific community and and doctors and governments are always going to go to the strongest possible level when they're encountered with a threat like that. And that plays a part in it. But then, you know, the all the emerging data that's coming out and studies, you know, because people are working like crazy around the world on this thing. Is that, you know, I've, I've heard multiple doctors say that smokers, surprisingly, are hardly being affected by it. I guess the ACE2 cells in your lungs are what the protein spikes on the virus cell itself attach to. And when you're a smoker, whether it's, you know, you're a chronic pot smoker, or a cigarette smoker, or a hookah guy, or a cigar guy, those ACE2 tel- ACE cells get damaged and do not become a good enough cell for those protein spikes to attach to. So you're not seeing very many smokers, which being a respiratory illness, you think those would be the first people to go, but it's not. That yeah. brings me hope. <laughs> As you cough. Yeah. It made me cough, dude. <laughs> and, and then, uh, no, but hold on, hold on. Cause that's, that's notable. Yeah, Cause I've been telling, I've been telling my girl about that. It's like, listen, the only reason why I know I don't have this shit is because of the weed. Yeah. Yeah. We'd like to yeah, thank Drano for confirming scientifically that that's the case yeah confirming that uh our i guess addiction or fucking pastime is actually helping us are is are your scientific credentials better than trump's yeah trump uh, trump he's a businessman <laughs> first and a, a, a new politician because he hasn't really yeah been out there except for the last few years but he definitely doesn't have any medical training at all good he'd probably he'd probably beg to differ if he was here but Anyway, so you were you were going to say after after that? Wrong. Yeah, no, another factor that goes into who, who's getting infected and who's not. I, I've read some studies about blood types, and I can't remember if it's O positive or O negative that's virtually not being affected at all. But A, A, A type blood types are getting affected a lot. Mm. So that's kind of weird. You're getting into controversy. You can't you can't talk about biology and catching diseases. Haven't you known that all that's been disproven? Well, that that's not uh it, that doesn't go into any kind of racial sphere. It's you know you have people of every color that are A positive, negative, B positive, negative, or O positive, negative. You're at almost positive. We're A positive. Damn, that's a good clip right there. <laughs> a one. Thank you. Special. That's how we do it here. And then uh, another. 
that's another good notable fact about this whole thing that's coming out. Um, pretty much 60 to 65% of the people that are actually dying from COVID were people that were going to die probably within the next one to two years anyway. That are your people that are basically terminally ill, living in nursing homes with you know multiple comorbidities like CHF, heart disease, COPD, diabetes. Like 67% of them? roughly 60 to 65% of the deaths are people in nursing homes. So it's not affecting people that are in the prime of their life. So really we should have shut down basically nursing homes and all vulnerable populations nursing instead homes. of the entire incop- there, there, There's a lot of people in the medical community that have, that are higher levels of practice than me, doctors, PAs, NPs, that all, we all say the same thing that you quarantine sick people not your entire population. You don't destroy your economy. I mean, it, it's affected society around the world in, in a lot of bad ways. Pe- mental illness skyrocketing, depression skyrocketing, substance abuse skyrocketing, um, domestic violence skyrocketing. It's people you you lock down healthy people for no good reason. That's kind of what happens. But are they healthy if they're that? close to if they're that close to the edge (laughs) like the only thing keeping me from beating my wife is not being stuck in the house with her for three weeks no i I don't i I, I don't think beating on your significant other there's really any good reason for it under any circumstances but But i'm saying you, you try and look at you know somebody that was frazzled already because they're a small business owner and things weren't doing good to begin with and then you lose your life's work and now your mortgage is upside down and your kids you can't send them to their private school anymore so you're justifying domestic violence not justifying it (laughs) try trying to understand where it's coming from is more like it people like to sit around and talk about society bitch you are society (laughs) (laughs) so no but but i you know because i really given that some thought like that thin line between order and chaos that we have, but that thin line that people that are are so close to like in, like being on the edge of like yeah like all of a sudden everyone's getting molested, everyone's getting beat up at home, punk fuckers are killing themselves. It's like holy shit! Like, can you imagine? It's all there, man. Can you imagine when the shit really really goes down? I mean, hopefully it never really does, right? But oh yeah, you take a look at and like, like uh, this is just like making me salivate. <laughs> <laughs> so something like Stephen King's book, The Stand, you know, the super flu kills mm. 99% of people. If You don't even have to have it that that lethal, but if this COVID killed 25% of the people it infected, that would be, that would yeah. probably be the end of everything. Society would disintegrate. Yeah, I mean, fucking, it was like co- totally conceivable, like, all right, like what, what the fuck happens? Like, just once we have no more food coming into the grocery stores, once we, you know, it's like we live in, in one of those cities that if they're going to shut it down or if everyone decides to leave at once, we're fucked. We're stuck. We're just stuck. And, you know, in, in a true quarantine situation with a virus that bad, I'm sure the government, federal government and the military has contingencies in place. A city like Chicago would not be that hard to lock down. No, not at, at gunpoint, you know, you you, you put put up barricades on the Dan Ryan, the Eisenhower, right? Ninety ninety four. When you get up north, going towards Wisconsin, you you create choke points and gun down anybody that tries to cross that red line. Yeah, it wouldn't be hard to do, and the city, everybody trapped inside, would starve or be killing their neighbors to get whatever yeah. cans of food they have in their cabinet until shit runs out. Then. Yeah, and that that that's that was kind of the freaky part. It's like, holy shit! Like, 
I mean, I, I never felt that we'd get to that point, but it's like just seeing how mild when compared to something like that, the situation was and being like, this is this how much chaos is happening. It's like, fuck. I'm sick of being social engineered. It's not funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, what I really wanted to see out of all this, and there's no telling if it's going to happen or not is maybe have it open enough people's eyes to realize that allowing corporations working with politicians to stop sending our critical industries overseas. Like we were getting to the point where, you know, we're having aspirin shortages because the last aspirin manufacturing facility we had in this country got sent to China in 2005. You got to say it right. China. 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 In 2005. And, and now when they have a pandemic going on just like us, or if, you know, the political animosity between our countries got ratcheted up a notch, what's to say that they're going to go, you know what? Fuck you guys. You're not getting any aspirin shipped. Yet. Yeah, for sure. And why we the fuck wouldn't really- they? They practically do it to their own people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we, we need to have stuff come back here. Americans need to make things again, especially the most important things like medicine. That, that's more important than making T-shirts or teddy bears. Now you're starting Our to country sound- is in serious trouble. Yeah, I was going to say, now you're starting to sound like Trump. <laughs> he, he, he's right about some stuff. He's wrong about Thank some you. stuff. Yeah, what a guy. Thank you. So... That is true, though. I mean, we owe we owe so much land, like so much of our debt is owed to China by you know, like we pay them in land, or it's being backed by land. So many of our debts is crazy. All our crucial fucking industries being over there in a country yeah, that we, we that we know just is fucking like the worst with its people. I guess Cringe. it's just that trust. Like yeah. we we depend on them as much as they depend on us. They might depend on us more than we depend on them. I think. Yeah, for the most part. They depend on us to buy all their cheap crap. Yeah, that, that's what's propping them up. But then the only reason why, why we could have such a good economy is because we can buy all yeah, those things that cheap. Well, no, but if, if you bring industry back home. Yeah, yeah. You know, good goods that you purchase at the store are going to be more expensive because American workers get paid more. We have unions, things like that. And can we go back to that? Yeah, absolutely. We could. It would just take politicians that actually have some integrity and some balls to go make the necessary steps to doing that. So you're telling me you don't want to see any more women in office. So what you're saying, I would like to see the right Just women politicians. In with we have losers. We have losers. We have people that don't have it. We have people that are morally corrupt. We have people that are selling this country down the drain. What is this shit? You're playing the whole speeches now. Hey, the American <laughs> dream is dead. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, so, uh, I mean, yeah, just COVID, COVID, what have been all the different types of measures and all that shit that you've had to take? Uh, how has the job changed since, since this whole COVID situation started? Um, well, everybody, not everybody, but they're starting to try and ensure that everybody's getting tested, you know, how but, often, how often, you know, for, for what, for now, basically just once. But I, I think if things were really worse, we'd be getting tested every week or two. How often was the fire chief saying he, they were getting tested? Uh, every, I think. Every two weeks? Two weeks, something, something like that. Something crazy. Eight days or something like that? Yeah, that, that would really suck because <laughs> get, getting a, a really long Q-tip basically jammed into your brain to where, you know, there's blood on the end of it when they pull it out. It's pretty uncomfortable. I mean, by the time, you know, that's over, fucking you're Gag reflex is probably going to be like gone at that point. Yeah, you'll be able to make all sorts of adult films. 
Yeah, you'll make a good living in Boys Town if you get enough COVID tests. All right, man, listen, dude. This is, this is a serious show, bro. We're talking about bloody Q-tips from COVID tests. Yeah, what else? Uh, you know, aerosol procedures like giving somebody a nebulizer treatment for an asthma attack or putting someone on a CPAP that's in severe respiratory distress or innovating and bagging people. They're trying to have us stay away from doing that unless it's absolutely necessary. Now, if we have someone that's having a good enough asthma attack and we can't avoid, you know, getting them to the hospital quickly and we have to give them a NEB treatment right now, we'll sit them on the back step of the ambulance. We'll give them the treatment so the the aerosolized particles that are coming out of the mask are going into the open air instead of being contained in the, the back box of an ambulance. Give them their treatment, make sure that they start breathing better, then get them inside, turn the exhaust fan on, so it's, you know, air is getting circulated. We're masked up, wearing goggles, if necessary, wearing a gown. Yeah. And then when we get to the hospital, clean everything very good, spray everything down with all the disinfectant, leave the doors open, the, the back doors and the side door for, you know, 20 minutes or so and have the the uh, exhaust fan running continuously to make sure that any kind of viral cells that are floating around are going to be expelled. Is that after every call or every call that's high risk for covid after high risk calls, I mean, you you get a somebody that you know broke their toe or something, you're you're not going to have to go to measures like that. But they could have COVID. They they could, but generally, you know, the other thing we're doing is putting masks on every patient, just, yeah. just a basic surgical mask, just in case they're asymptomatic or they have yeah. mild symptoms that you're not going to see right away, and it's a totally different related call, a stomach pain or a toe pain. Did you read that? you know the 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 was it the world was it the cdc or the or who that came out and said that the asymptomatic thing wasn't as bad as it they thought but then they came out the next day and they were like hold on guys that's not what we meant that was the who that was what and what, what was the what, what did they say and what they did did they take back basically they said that um asymptomatic people are not the primary spreaders of the virus mm. okay which, you know, if you're asymptomatic and it's the, the virus isn't strong enough to really affect you to where you're getting a fever and stuff, you're not going to have a large viral load. Yeah. If you're sick and you're coughing and you're getting developing a pneumonia, you're going to have significant viral load. So that's somebody that's already sick. If you're in close proximity to them, you're far more likely to get it from them than from somebody that's asymptomatic. Negligent discharge. First album. Viral load. Thank you. <laughs> Why don't you have any hardcore songs to play, man? Oh. Something that sounds like negligent discharge. Viral load. I wasn't prepared for that. It'd, it'd probably be like some kind of crust punk. Yeah, you crust know, some, punk. some crust punk, yeah. All right. Yeah, look up some crust some, punk. Some dirt nasty. Dirt nasty. <laughs> don't play dirt nasty. <laughs> no, don't play. Oh, shit. There you go. This is uh, crust punk. He's blowing into a beer bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess. What is, well, I can't even pronounce that name. Deconstruct. Deconstruct. Oh, deconstruct. Shit. Yeah, dude. Negli- the catch uh, next year, negligent discharge and deconstruct on their tour. Right, I'm done with this. Yeah, it's taking way too long to start. Cut fast forward. Yeah, it wasn't crusty enough. There you go. What are they singing? Are they, did they start singing yet? 
The way they spelled their band name, I'm, they might be German, so I don't know. It's sauerkraut. Song still hasn't started. This is not punk. Well, what a metal. fucking stain on humanity you are. There All we right, go. we're done with this. Deconstruct didn't start fast enough. Thank you, Deconstruct. I was Deconstruct with their song S slash T from their 2018 album. <laughs> Cross punk, I think. All right, that was a huge waste of time. We're going to take that out in post-production. Show me the line. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know how the fuck we even went down that fucking thing. Uh, we were talking about people being crusty and fucking their lungs and all that shit. Sound like crust. Negligent discharge. Negligent oh, discharge. Oh, yeah, the band we started is going on tour. Yeah, catch us, guys. Um, but anyway, all right, so, yeah, I've, I've, I've actually seen some of the measures they take to, to, like, disinfect everything and do all of that. It seems fucking tedious but i mean i know it's necessary how how often do you get calls that are high risk usually a couple of shift i probably average about 17 or 18 runs a shift on my ambulance and a, a, a good two maybe three are respiratory runs like that has that gone down since that started or is it just been that number yeah when when the lockdown first started we were getting probably five or six of those a day and was it uh, was, was a lot of it people freaking out or was a lot of it like alarming there were some people that were in pretty bad shape um you know you they'd be having low oxygen saturations and you listen to their lungs with a stethoscope and you're not hearing any noises you're not hearing rails you're not hearing wheezing you're like what's a rail rails it's a specific sound i i can't i'm not even gonna try and mimic it because <laughs> it would just be stupid <laughs> like that yeah something like that there, there are noises in your lungs that don't belong there. And um, you'd get them to the hospital, and they'd have a really high fever too, feeling like shit, having a dry, non-productive cough. Nothing would be coming out with the cough. And then within an hour, you'd see these people just start desatting even worse, like immediately, like they just drove off a cliff. And What's desatting, bros? Yeah, tell this us guy, the terms. He's like yeah. fucking over here. Dude, he's you're, a fucking you're, medical He show? sounds like these cooks that come and talk about flambéing shit, and you're like, dude, what are you? Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah your oxygen saturations. Which, <laughs> how much oxygen do you have in your in your blood? Okay. Just basically, a normal adult human being should be at least ninety five percent. And when we encounter these people and put the device on their finger that measures that. Yeah. They'd be like 88%. We get them to the hospital within an hour, they'd be dropping down to 70% and they'd be gasping. And um, doctors would have to be wind up intubating them. Like one one hospital that I frequent more than any other because it's close to my firehouse, hmm. intubated like 14 people in six hours, which is way beyond the normal. You might do in a, in a busy ER two or three intubations in 24 hour period. Yeah. That's crazy. What 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 was the worst COVID related call you got? I didn't. I, well, I think we had two people that went into cardiac arrest, mm. and at that you're you're wearing all of your protective equipment, you know, gown, goggles, gloves, a face mask over all of that, and um, the the protocols that we would typically use when you're trying to resuscitate somebody that's in cardiac arrest. You know, ordinarily you'd give five rounds of epinephrine mm. over the course of your your attempted resuscitation effort. They dropped it down to three. 
you know, just to, you know, like I said, when human bodies die, they typically like to stay dead. The doctors want us to give people the best chance that you can, but in the situation where it was a highly suspected COVID patient, you know, don't put everybody else at risk. And if they're in cardiac arrest, they're probably not coming back from it, especially if they're elderly. You know, if it's a 40-year-old person, they're, they're way more viable than an 85-year-old person with a bunch of health problems already. It's interesting. I know. We learned a lot today. That you, that you end up doing. Because I guess uh, the fire chief cited shelters as being some of the most kind of like busy places when all of that shit was going down. Yeah, we have a, a homeless shelter in our still district. We, we pulled out a, a number of people that were COVID positive. Nobody that was like knocking on death's door, but feeling really sick that needed to go to the hospital. And um, yeah, things like that go like wildfire through there. It's all community sleeping. You know, it's bunk beds. It's basically, it looks like a, a barracks and basic training. Shit, got, barracks got, is a nice way to put it. You got 200 bunks in a enclosed area. Everybody's sleeping on top of each other, basically. Yeah, he talked about <clears throat> how some of them would get sick and they, they didn't want to say anything because they were afraid of losing their bed or... They were afraid of ending up in one of those isolation facilities or whatever, where they wouldn't be able to do anything or get high or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's fucking. That's been kind of crazy, um, and it's nice because you know, right, right when we started getting like, oh, there might be some some fucking relief soon, so some some light at the end of the tunnel. We got hit with uh, with the riots. We got hit with one of the craziest fucking, you know, kind of clear cut, no really going around. This was just like a, a murder, a fucking just clear incident of police brutality where you don't have to wonder what was going on. Like Abuse just all of right power. there. Yeah. And, and that, that, that wasn't like anything else we've seen before. Cause it started riots everywhere. And, uh, <clears throat> I actually just recently saw a documentary on Netflix and the 92 riots still looked like they were kind of, <laughs> kind of like crazier but this was all over the country which is a big difference from that time and here in chicago we got hit pretty hard with that shit and me myself uh that weekend i was listening to police scanners and it sounded like the world was ending that shit sound crazy it was fucking surreal just to listen um and i know you were working you, 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 yeah, you worked during that weekend at some point. So like, how, how was that? Yeah. Saturday was when everything kind of kicked off downtown. Yeah. And then once downtown went up for grabs, Sunday wound up being even worse because it, it just basically spread almost citywide. Yeah. So like, what was, what kind of calls were you responding to? What kind of calls were, cause from what I noticed, Listening to the radio, there was a lot of shit going on that they couldn't get to. Most of the calls that I ran on that Sunday were, um, I mean, it's technically unfounded, but I, I believe they were people that were getting injured while they were looting. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people that had severe lacerations to their arms and their legs, mm -hmm. and they would go run home and then call and say someone stabbed them. And I know the difference of what a, what is <laughs> what a stab wound and what getting cut on you know, a big chunk of plate glass that you just smashed out of a window, hon, you know? Yeah. Real men of genius. Real men of genius. Yeah, like, like one dude that I had, he had a ski mask that was up, you know, it wasn't down over his face, it was like on the back of his yeah. head. And he's wearing a black Dickies jumpsuit 
in black boots, and he had a big old nasty cut on his leg. That's I mean, the official I, I, uniform of looting. He said that, you know, somebody stabbed him, but he had like a six-inch long cut on his leg where all the fat and everything was exposed. He was like oh. flayed open real good. Yeah, he went through the fucking glass window and fucking cut himself. Yep. No, man, he got attacked by a Mexican with a machete. Oh, obviously. Because, well, you know. I, I mean, that, that, that weekend was terrible. Like, to put it in perspective, the 1968 riots, we actually, <laughs> you know, it was worse than that. There were more structure fires than 1968 in that two-day window. Um, there were, shit, I think that weekend there was 96 or 98 people shot with over close to 30 fatalities. And Sunday, it was over 20 people that got killed out of that number. It was just up for grabs. It's it's almost indescribable. It was, like you said, pretty much hell on earth. They is just living they truth, cracker. <laughs> Was a lot of it fucking, I mean, I guess there would be no way to actually know, but I guess just from, I guess your gut instinct, was a lot of it fucking just gang stuff, like people shooting each other, protecting their shit, was the police shooting people, like what was going on, do you you have any clue? Usually most of the shooting is always gang related. Yeah. I mean, as far as the looting from what I saw where I was working, I I was pretty much from Pershing down to almost Roseland as how, as far as I traveled north and south that day, going to and from calls and then from like Pulaski almost to the lakefront. So it was a huge area. Everybody, the, the call volume was insane. That's why we were getting pulled all over the place. And I got to see tons of businesses getting looted. And that was not just like 19-year-old dudes there. I saw people that were like damn near 70 years old Looting? Coming in and out of stores with stuff. Amazing. I, I saw people with bringing their kids with them. Oh, that's oh, yeah. great. You gotta be Can't a, find the babysitter. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's COVID season still. So you got to take the kids with you. Beta! But yeah, most mostly it was young people, but you had all age groups represented in that. So I know that when we, when we talked, we talked uh, about a week ago, I called you and uh, you mentioned... There being three times that you described as having left you with your butthole puckered. Damn. What what happened? What was going on? Well, you know, one time I was on a specific corner and three out of the four corners were on fire. And people were throwing bricks at one of the fire engines. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is going to turn real ugly really quick here. That's right. Um, another time I had a bunch of beer bottles and, and rocks and shit thrown at my ambulance and I thought my ambulance might get surrounded and I might have to run people over to, to save mine and my partner's life. That one sucked. That's fucking crazy. Oh yeah. And tech ambulances. And I, there was a couple of incidents where I saw people running out of stores with armloads of shit and having another person that's part of this mob attack that person trying to take their shit because they're too lazy to go run in the store and grab their own. Yeah, how, that's a special breed of looter. I've seen that. I've seen a guy who walked out with a MacBook, and then another group basically came and fucking jumped the guy to grab the MacBook. Yeah. Which I was all like, wow. Like, this yeah. is perfect. It, it, uh, yeah. L- l- literally, perfect when, when, you, when you get a mob mentality going like that where people are going crazy, you know, most human thought goes out the window, and it does become, it looks like a feeding frenzy, like when you see sharks ripping something yeah. up, you know. It's it's nuts. That's wild. 
And it, this is another one of those situations that's it's like, now that I hear it, it's like, yeah, of course that was happening. But before hearing it, it was like, I didn't really think about that. Like, how about the motherfuckers standing outside the store robbing the people that are looting places? That's nice. That's special yeah, why, why go in there and cut yourself? Or, you <coughs> yeah, know, end up with a fucking six-inch laceration. Yeah, or, you know, or, or get spotted on a security camera, and eventually, if it ever yeah, if it month. ever gets investigated, they might come knock on your door and say, hey, we've seen you going in this business, you know? Oh, that's that's, good. that's cool, man. Yeah, I'd like to. Uh, I mean, can we really fault the thieves who rob from the thieves? Yeah, no, you can't. There's no honor among thieves, as I say. No, no, never has been. That's fucking. That's that's nice. Um, and was that was that the only time that you guys got attacked? Like, got, had shit thrown at you the one I, time? I, I had random stuff thrown throughout the day, but there was the one time where. Uh, my partner was in back with a patient. I'm going to the hospital and just shit just started flying left and right. That's fucking wild. Yeah, no, uh, I've been like searching all week trying to find like all the good footage of like the rides and stuff. And YouTube is doing a really good job of fucking like hiding all that shit and just showing just like people gathered. And it's all like, no, I want the fucking destruction. I want to see people fucking uh, do all the crazy shit that I've been fucking uh, witnessing myself. For what? What do you want to do with that? Uh, just to have it for uh, for memory's sake, because all of it's gonna get memory <laughs> hold. Memories. All yeah. of it eventually gets memory hold, and fucking people forget. Yeah, and <clears throat> in ten years it'll seem like Mandela effect, and we'll remember all these things that we can't look up anymore. And it'll be like, I'm pretty sure that happened. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, I don't know, dude. Yeah, we'll forever have the Joy Floyd footage, but we'll not, we won't have uh, the riots. Know, the, uh, you know how hard it was to find the uh, the protester getting shot uh, from the specific angle. You know, you know the story. What the, the, the one in New Mexico? Mexico? Yeah, yeah, the one in New the Mexico. Statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to find the specific angle where the guy pulls out the knife was difficult as fuck. Yeah, the his charges got dropped. Some of them, anyway. Yeah, I actually have that uh, later on in the news. Yeah, so yeah we the, can cover the, that. Dist- that's, the that's district that's attorney later. said it's not permanently dropped. It's just dropped until they find do a it. thorough investigation. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. said it was knee yeah. jerk. Yeah, we could tune in. Uh, to <laughs> that's last. what we call a pussy fucking uh, <laughs> answer. Yeah, they 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 have to watch everything they knew they do now. They have to just really come out with a PR fucking spin on it too. Yeah, how all do you the, feel about the, the state basically doing all this now? Like, as far as trying to cater to the fucking mob, I I think it's terrible. I I think that there are bad police officers out there. I've encountered them, some of them in my life, but far more of them are good. Like overwhelming majority of them, these people. They're men, they're women, they're black, they're brown, they're white, they're Catholic, they're Protestant, they're Muslim. They get on, none of them wake up in the morning and look at themselves in the mirror while they're straightening out their uniform shirt and go, you know, I'm going to go kill a black dude today. Well, go hum me some colors. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just not like that. I mean, that jag off in Minnesota, he, he might be the only person in history that ever did what I just described. Who happened in Minnesota? Uh, Chauvin. Chauvin, the guy, oh. George Floyd guy. He he might have said, "I'm going to go kill a black dude today." I, I still I still think I, that there was some personal shit going I'm, on. I'm there. still yeah under the impression that he recognized him was all like, "All right, dude, now I'm gonna fuck with you." Yeah, I they, think they, I think they, they, they uh, work together. There's some kind of history there. But, yeah, I think but Sho- I think this dude might have banged his wife or something. But but Sho- Sho- Chauvin's record was terrible. He, yeah, he, he'd been involved in multiple use of force incidents that were really shady. Yeah, and had complaints lodged against him for years. Like, way uh, cops always get complaints. I love when they bring that up on TV. Oh, this this officer had three complaints in the last eight years. Yeah, when you're a cop and you arrest people, 
yeah. people don't like it and they complain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with my uh, charge, the one I was talking about with the police fucking brutality, they actually ended up dropping the charges of, uh, you know, damage to property and all that because fucking the guy had, like, all these multiple fucking um, complaints against him. So the lawyer was all like, oh, you know, he hit you. So we can for sure get this thrown out then. Yeah. I mean, so obviously what what we saw happen was like a, you know, gross abuse of power and it was pretty clean cut. Would you say that, that just before that even there was some police reform that needed to happen? There was all kinds of police reform that's been happening since, you know, you had Freddie Gray in 2016, right, in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. He died. You know, there's stuff that there there was rioting there, but they've done meaningful reform after it. When did it start? 2015 with uh, in Ferguson, Mike Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's when all this stuff started happening. I I can tell you, like the police officers that I work with day in and day out when I'm on shift, they are not the cops that I am accustomed to seeing my entire life. They wear body cameras. They're very hesitant to do stuff. Like there's been times when I've gotten. You know, had people try and fight with me, like psych patients or just people that are high on stuff and are out of their mind. And we'll have a cop there, and I'll be like, hey, dude, are you going to help me? And they're like, oh, I don't want to get a lawsuit for beating this guy up for you, even though he's trying to beat you up. So, yeah, things have changed a lot over the last few years. And when when is enough going to be enough? Do you just not want police officers anymore? Yeah, I think that's what some some people are saying. I mean, you know, we can get into that later on, uh, you know, some uh, some people who are trying that right now. Yeah, yeah. There, there's people that want that. Um, I and I always, I I always, well, not always. Ever since fucking jumping on the radio scanner, and I had done that before all the riots and all that bullshit. I like to say now that you know, if you want to see statistics play out, just listen to your local police scanner, or not even your local one. Just tune into like a Chicago one, or L.A. or New York where all the racist cops are hunting black people and then just listen, listen to the crimes and, and in a, in a, in a good, like three days, I can't even count the amount of times that I heard we have a male black, we have a male Hispanic. Yeah. Like just constant calls for, you know, fucking there's the guy in the alley, male black. He looks shady. He's got a gun. He's starting to shoot people. Dozens of those fucking domestic violence, fucking just, People hanging out, fighting in alleys, gangs and shit. It's like, you get to really hear that. I mean, unless these people are just, right, like, lying, making shit up. So I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and they were just all like, yeah, no, the cops just go out there, and they just... Just hunt black just people. Hunt, they just make stuff up, and they're just trying to fill a quota. I'm all like, okay, I can see them trying to fill, you know, ticket quotas and, you know, getting you for speeding and all this other shit, but... Aren't the majority of all these people who are getting fucked with breaking the fucking law in the first place? I mean, you know, all the all those little old ladies calling in, calling the police, they're lying too. They're oh, part Karens? Of Fuck the Karens. No, not even Karens. Yeah, when, if, when a Karen becomes old enough, she graduates into being a Gertrude. Gertrude. Oh, shit. That's, all right. Yeah, that's like a mass weapon of mass destruction. No, but I mean, like, I'm listening to a fucking radio uh, police scanner in a neighborhood that's Hispanic and black. The people that are calling in whatever is being called in are people in that community. So they're calling in. Oh, we saw some dudes in the alley. They're they're fighting. They got guns. Race traders, I guess. But I'm saying, you know, the, that that's not just a bunch of fucking Karens going into fucking the west side of Chicago, and and calling the police on people. Well, well, here's an interesting thing that I've thought of that I haven't heard anybody talk about. 
Historically speaking, a lot of people say that the two most marginalized groups of people in America are African-Americans and the LGBT community, right? Uh-huh. Would you agree with that? And if you're both, you're like super fucking. Yeah. So if you completely defund or disband police, all the hate crime legislation that's come out since Obama's been in office that have helped LGBT people not be targeted anymore, so yeah. you don't have any more Matt Shepherds happening. Uh-huh. Who's going to do something about that if you get gay bashers, social hate, workers, hate, 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 hateful people that want to hurt gay people or lesbian or transgender social the, workers? The local community will gather together and rightfully so beat the person to half to death. No, they'll shame them. Oh, shame. Well, they, 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 no, they, they from what I've seen, they've acted <laughs> worse than the cop who fucking uh, uh, did that to, to George Floyd. They've acted even worse. Yeah, but that's only, you see people in large groups at these protests or riots. That's not ordinarily, people in day-to-day life don't travel around with 50 friends. Well, that's why we replace the police with community-organized groups of social workers. Sounds like a recipe for anarchy to me and vigilantism. The same social workers that should have been there when the guy that fell asleep at the Wendy's fell asleep. Oh. He ended up getting shot. Or like like I said, the other group, African Americans, have had a rough go in the United States since you know historically. Um, they're constantly say that you know lynching still happens and this and that, and that there's the KKK and other uh-huh. white supremacist groups are a massive threat. Well, there's no more police to enforce those hate crime laws. It's pretty easy if you're a group of hate-minded people to go gang up on somebody when they're not in a group of their own and go lynch them or burn them alive or any other number of terrible things. So nobody's really thinking this shit through here. So we call a group of social workers in that that scenario and they show up with their lanyards and their uh, positive, what is it? Positive interviewing and their uh, harm reduction. You got to make sure trauma informed approach to uh, person first language. Yeah, yeah, compliment the sandwich, then correct compliment again. So it's all mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, I like your outfit. You know, it's an all black. You got all that stuff on. It's yeah. pretty good. But uh, I need you not to do that thing that you've been doing. Yeah, I need you to stop <laughs> shooting at the children on the corner. But uh, overall, I think you're doing well. I've, yeah. I've looked at your college scores and. Uh, a lot of you know, potential. Yeah, a lot of potential. You haven't gone, but I know that there's a, an ability <laughs> for you to go. How dare you? Yeah, social workers are, you know, just, just in Chicago alone since 2012, we've had 5,000 people plus murdered and 25,000 plus shot. because there's not enough social workers. Yeah. There's not enough education, Drano. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's another myth, too. Chicago spends... As much on its students of all colors. But it's not much. We're like in the top 10 in the United States, or maybe even top five. There's a lot of money being spent on schools, giving kids laptops, paying teachers. It's care. You Stuff like that starts at home. If your parents aren't making you do Based. homework or not yeah. ditch school, but that's not you're, you're, you're already behind the eight ball. You know? How about the single mothers? You need to take into account the single mothers. Not everyone has the resources in their community to have a father. Not everyone has the morals to but stay can, together. But can the government throw money at a father to stay in the picture? Yes, that's where we, that's, <laughs> remember earlier we said we were going to have our, our family exchange program? Yeah. <laughs> so if you abandon your family, we're just going to place them with some cuck who wants to fucking, uh, yeah, what? you know, a family who can't, who can't produce. What were we saying that, that we're going to come and take your family earlier for? I don't know. It's been so wise. Yeah, it's been a long time since earlier. <laughs> since an hour or two ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So I don't know, man. So there's there's gonna be changes. It's gonna be a lot of police reform. I actually like some of the things I hear. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm talking a whole lot of shit about social workers. But one of the things I, I heard Trump actually say um was something about having social workers at police stations. Thank which you. To me make to me makes sense. If we're trying if we're trying to to end that that cycle of um you know, lock someone up, you know, fuck them over for a weekend or two, then they end up in the street. Or just the longer, you know, longer prison sentences for people that are committing crimes that are, you know, I mean, you, you, we could talk about accountability and being responsible and not being a dick all we want, but there is a certain level of like, this is my environment. This is all I've ever known. This is all everyone I know has ever known. When people look at you, you go into one of these neighborhoods and they look at you crazy because you don't got a, a fucking criminal record or you haven't been locked up a few times. That speaks louder to the circumstances that are going on, whether they're by design or not. It's just what's going on. So there's a certain amount of crime that's going to happen because people do need what the fuck they need. And that's how they know to get it. And that that shit, the, the prison system isn't doing much to fix that. So I think that that there needs there does need to be some kind of rethinking of, of how to stop that. And I think, I mean, social workers, you know, they, they have them in hospitals. They have them in places where they're obvious, like shelters and shit like that. Um, but it would make sense to, to you know, what, you have a 17-year-old who was out fucking doing some crazy shit, who's impressionable, who might benefit from some intervention from someone who's like them, who could be like, what's going on, bro? What's going on? Like, talk to me. Like, yeah. What is this shit? Oh, I, I could tell you, you know, what we do out in the street anytime we get a psych call, it's... Nine, or the fire department always gets site calls. You know, yeah. we, we get police attached to it just basically for safety. If you get a dude that's on PCP with a machete, yeah, you you can't send a social worker to that. Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to do it, I I would agree. If you're going to have social workers at police stations, that's fine because then they can at least have you know a police presence with them when they go. The cops can stand yeah. back and let them work their magic. But sending them out on their own, saying we're not no. going to send cops on these calls anymore, is just no, no. Silly, and it's that, I don't, I don't know that that's the that's the idea. There's a lot of extreme. Like there was someone who that was their scenario they played out. The dude from Wendy's, being like, just imagine this: instead of a police officer coming and knocking on their window, is instead it is a social worker who would have asked him how he was doing and politely <laughs> asked him to pull his car over to the side. Which all things the cop did do. Yeah. Um, and then instead of arresting him for being drunk, they would have just spoken to him and made sure that he had no 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 stress factors and, and addiction, substance abuse. They would have let him walk home. Actually, I had that same conversation with somebody. Yeah, they, they would have called the tow. They would have called the tow truck yeah. and got in a maneuver to go home, and he'd be alive. You know what I said? I said, okay, so when you're driving with your daughter, you want that gentleman fucking driving next to you drunk? I'm oh saying. no. Oh, okay. So we should fucking arrest him, right? Yeah, right. I mean, do we have social workers on patrol cars too? So, like, hey, there's a drunk driver driving next to me. Uh, like, or uh, I guess when when that drunk driver crashes into my fucking child and kills them, like, we I guess yeah. I'm gonna need the social worker. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, I guess after, I, after the fact. I've course. talked with a lot of old school cops and have old school cops in my family, you know, and DUIs. Back in the day, were not as big as they are now. Like the the sheer volume of people being arrested for that. Usually, if you got pulled over 
and you smelled like booze, as long as you didn't have any wants or warrants coming back when they would run your ID, and you were relatively polite and didn't start motherfucking the cops, they'd be like, look, dude, get out. Give me your keys. If you were close enough, they'd drive you home, or they'd have your car towed. They wouldn't lock you up and put you in the system for it. You know, it's, as you, you have to think like like that libertarian mindset. Do you ever see the the diagrams where they say, "Oh, okay, a crime is committed. Was anybody's property harmed? No. Was a person physically harmed? No. Then it's not really that much of a crime. You know, but the the discretion has been largely taken away from the police to be able to do people in the public a solid like that, and they're stuck having to enforce these laws or else they're going to get in trouble themselves. So there needs to be a huge paradigm shift. Everything oh. that we talk about is just a little Band-Aid for each particular one of the thousand cuts that are being inflicted on society. Thinking about the bureaucracy that police have to cater to? Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Well, most cops, uh, you talk to any oh, cop. If you never. ever if you, if you ever get a cop on your show, mm. ask them how much they enjoy doing DUI paperwork. It oh, takes yeah. up their whole shift. They could be out on the street getting a three-time felon with a gun off of the street rather than somebody that had one drink over the legal limit being taken to jail and doing six hours worth of paperwork. Oh, yeah. I believe so. Um, I lost for words. Drano just you got it right. <laughs> you've you've left Mario at a loss for words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that uh that's a good I mean is is this a positive note? I think it's the positive note. That that should be a positive I, note. I mean another thing like their hands being tied by bureaucracy. A lot of times we get a call it's phrased person down from the unknown cause. Nine times out of ten it's someone drunk sleeping on a bus stop or, you know, fell asleep on your lawn walking home. Yeah. And we get called out for that ordinarily in the old days before all the bureaucracy became too heavy-handed. The cops would be like, dude, wake your ass up and get it moving. Yeah, get going. Get, go, go. Get, get out of here. You can't sleep on this dude's lawn. But now we're pretty much obligated to take drunk people to the hospital when being drunk is not a medical condition. Doctors will agree with that. Paramedics will agree with that. Nurses will, will agree with that. And you're tying up resources Emergency rooms have a finite amount of beds, and they need to be for people having heart attacks, strokes, having traumatic injuries that require stitches and surgical interventions, not giving someone a place to sleep off their buzz. Where should we send the drunkards who need to sleep off their buzz? I think drunk tanks need to be brought back, but it needs to be done the right way. They, they, they used should to, put them out in the middle of the street. No, like dr a glass case. drunk tanks used to exist in every major municipality in the United States, but there's been a handful of incidents where people, they didn't have the due diligence done and they throw someone in a drunk tank when they're really having a diabetic emergency and their blood sugar's low and they think they're sleeping and they wind up dying. So that's why they did away with it because of incidents like that. But if you build a drunk tank, it needs to be staffed by a couple of cops and also a couple, you could even have EMT basics. The lowest level of training that we have is emergency medical technicians yeah. to monitor people to make sure that they don't have any injuries and that they're not diabetic. You go through your differential diagnosis and determine that they're drunk and they're not having a medical emergency. You let them sleep it off. They're monitored health-wise and legally with your law enforcement there. And then after six or eight hours when it's time to go, you issue them a municipal ticket for oh. being drunk in public and having to tie up resources, sleeping at the drunk tank because you couldn't maintain your buzz like a normal person, and you go about your way. 
So that was one of the arguments I've been uh, having with people about defunding the police. I, I do believe in that we need to demilitarize uh, some aspects of the police. But if you want all these social programs, if you want all these measures to make sure that fucking society fucking uh, heals itself or whatever the fuck you want to fucking green bullshit you want to call it. fucking Whoa, pretty aggressive. Though. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, defunding the police is the wrong idea. You actually want to put more money into it. Oh, okay. Just just re, just just reallocate the funds that are already there into a more streamlined and better approach. You know the the demilitarization demilitarization thing. I don't think you know with the war in Iraq. That's when all that shit really started. A lot of the surplus equipment that the military bought when it was done being used or wasn't used at all was being gifted to police departments across the United States through grants. There's, you know, no reason why a small suburb of 1,500 people needs a fucking armored personnel carrier. Until it, they do. Well, if you have somebody that's, you know, some some veteran, that guy that's a, you know, a Marine Special Operations MARSOC dude that's got terrible PTSD that's, you know, threatening to blow up his neighborhood and he's barricaded in his house, then you can go up the chain of command to a county resource Police, you know, police department, like a sheriff or state police, and they have something like that that they can bring, yeah, in, into the fray to use it. But every you see these things, they're they're everywhere now. I mean, look, it's living somewhere in the city. You know, I mean, the police have to have the same type of shit that these people have. Like, yeah, motherfuckers be having Call of Duty guns, <laughs> and not like. Pistols and fucking little Uzis no more. Like they have guns they with attachments. Case. Yeah, they oh, got yeah. extendos. They got shit. So I mean, I don't. The police needs to have some shit here. Fucking your your average municipal cop carries a sidearm, typically a nine millimeter. They like to make sure that the gun is uniform, because if the police get in a gunfight, that you could be able to toss one of your buddies a magazine if he runs out, and it's you know compatible they're they're all carrying the same stuff not everybody uh-huh. having their own personal individualized badass oh, gun man i can't have my dirty hairy no, fucking magnum they, they, you know back in the day cops had more leeway to carry a sidearm of their choice but they try and make it uniform now but, makes sense but the vast majority of municipal police in big cities like chicago and la and new york they don't carry long guns you you can have a long gun but you have to qualify for it every year and make sure that you're proficient with it and not everybody's trained to have one it's probably less than half of the police carry one of those locked up in their cruiser. So your regular municipal cops are not like the fucking Terminator carrying an arsenal with them. Most yeah. of most of them just have the gun that's on their hip. Don't they have like an AR-15 in the trunk? Well, that's what I'm talking about. If you want a long gun, an AR-15. It would probably you have, you be a to, submachine gun. No, no. Usually no, the, the, the you, AR-15. You know, it, it's usually AR-15s, and you have to qualify for it. So you, that, have, you have to prove that you're proficient enough to be carrying this thing. That weekend... Uh, of the riots. It might have been Sunday or Monday. I was chilling in front of the apartment and there's some gunshots went off down the street and this fucking uh this squad car pulled up, little fucking Mexican cop chick hops out, goes in the trunk, grabs the fucking rifle, hops in the passenger seat and they run in they run into wherever the fuck the gunshots came in from. They were ready though. And they had that shit. It was it was an unmarked car. It was one of those black squad cars. Yeah, Cicero is a big enough suburb. And they uh, they do the same thing that you know your big municipalities do. They they have to qualify on those weapons in order to carry them. They usually go to the Illinois State Police or Cook County Sheriff's gun ranges to go get qual on those things. They right. just they just don't go here. You go, dude, and just give you one. 
So they have proper training. Yes. Oh, shit. And no the, matter how much training you have if you're a fucking asshole. And then, uh-huh. like, your your submachine guns or, you know, long-range sniper rifle, you know, like a good three oh eight with a big optic on it, those are SWAT team guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a beautiful thing, man. That's beautiful. You know, 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 know your, your guns. You got to earn your guns. Hey, how do you feel about that before we before we wrap up about gun ownership? Do you think anyone should just have a gun? Do you think that there should be restrictions? Do you think it should be like a car where you got to have a, you know, prove that you're not a fucking idiot to even though a lot of people that drive are fucking idiots? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the the way that the Second Amendment is worded, like once you start getting into what you're talking about and adding restrictions, you're messing with the shall not be infringed portion of that amendment. You know, if you're a legal adult and you're not a felon and you're not having a, you're, you're not a schizophrenic or something, then yeah, you should be able to exercise your, your right to bear arms. And the instant you stop doing that responsibility responsibly, then you're done. You know, you start waving it around in public like a jag off with no good reason to do so. Then, well, you just forfeited that right. That's fair. That's right. Yeah. Cause I, I, I always, I, I think it should be kind of like a car. I know that I know that that's not what the Constitution says, and I know it's a right. And cars, I guess, cars have just been deemed a privilege. Yeah, a driver's license Pretty is much. a privilege, not a right. Yeah, but um, yeah, just seeing how fucking retarded people are with cars, it's like a gun. It's like, oh, man. Um, but I I love guns. I think every I think it should. And that's funny. I think it should be a human right to bear arms. You know. Uh, I don't know where licensing falls into a human right, but I think it should be a fucking human right. Like well, I mean, countries around the world have not adopted the United States's Constitution and Bill of Rights. But if yeah, you look well, at that's what, why they're not the greatest country. If you, if you, America, fuck yeah. If you look at the the mindset that they had and the thought process that went into crafting both of those, you know, oh yeah, it those rights are granted to you by your creator. Now that might be Allah for somebody that might be Christ for you. That might be Yahweh for Mario, or it might just be the random speck of dust. Yeah. I worship the dust, whatever your creator may be granted you those rights. The government did not grant you those rights. So yeah, that's a, a universal right to self-defense, but most of the world Thank has you. not adopted that. Well, here at almost positive, we want to leave on a positive note and we want to pray for all the poor people around the world who don't have guns or a right to bear arms. We're sorry, guys. Hopefully one day you will. But uh, anyway, so it's it's been nice having you, bro. <laughs> Thanks was, for uh, fucking coming. I was a little through. nervous coming in, but this was cool. <laughs> yeah, no, we weren't going to sabotage you. You know, we made an oath as uh, agents of truth to not uh, sabotage people anymore. We've learned not to be ambush journalists anymore. Yeah. Now, every, I think everybody out there needs to not be afraid to speak their truth. You know, it's a prism. It's not the same thing for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, hard, it's hard to get people to... People think that this is like... That they need to be nervous about coming on a thing like this. And it's, it's weird because you're talking in a performance way. Kinda. But it's just a conversation. Most people get all like, Oh, I've never done that. I don't want to do it. Oh, we, we spent a lot of years smoking a lot of blunts doing this very same thing without a microphone in their faces, so, yeah. That's <laughs> a little different. Um, but anyway, so we're on social fucking media. We're, we're not going to send anyone to find you anywhere because, you know, you're a, you're a reputable man <laughs> <laughs> of, of high esteem. 
but uh, we're on social media fucking uh anywhere pretty much facebook at almost positive instagram almost.positive.podcast and twitter at the oh, at motherfucking one day i'll get this shit at the underscore real almost fucking ridiculous and all the streaming services spotify podcast fucking apple podcast google all that shit stitcher and uh hit the almost positive hotline bro i'm hoping that one day we'll find a voicemail in there i just told somebody the other day i was all like you can leave us like if you have an opinion go ahead and call <laughs> and they were just all like uh, i guess i will uh, yeah uh. yeah just say no they have better shit to do anyway that's 312 fucking 715 7587 and uh yeah that's it Thanks, soon, soon, soon we're gonna have fucking uh business cards it's gonna be great but anyway this is fucking sir rollington for van rollington and the legendary Drano. real american hero yeah saying fucking keep an eye to the sky and near the ground be kind and Fuck it. Stay, no, stay vigilant and be kind. One day, one day we're going to sign off properly. Peace. My testicles are the size of grapefruits. It runs in the blood. I've always been the, the guy that tries to help people. I've never been afraid of a fight. I've always taken care of my friends and my family. Why not do it for your community at large, you know? Do you think that this is all just a little bit too masculine? <laughs> this is just a little bit too masculine for me. Is, is it too masculine for you? Is this a little bit too much red, white, and blue for you? Are you triggered? Are you upset about this? Are you freaking out? <laughs> God bless America. To license it.